2: Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings midcast Network. I'm Bruce Golan. that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought. A show combining two of your three favorite F-words. That's right, food and football. The third one is Clearly Flubber, the beloved Robin Williams movie, Get Your Mind Out of the Gutter. Guys, I gotta be honest, I am very, very, very excited about being back. After a one-week hiatus from food for thought, I did get a chance to watch because I'm actually a fan, unlike Nate, who does not watch the show, <laughs> and not on it. Because I think maybe it's just a narcissism thing, but I, I like to think of myself as a fan of the show. And I did watch the show, and I got to be honest, felt pretty good. Felt pretty good to watch the show, just as a like as a
3: like a, a thirty thousand foot view,
2: a thirty four thousand foot view. You know, yeah. I got to watch Nate. You know, look at the screen like, oh, is it on now? You know, without his beloved producer here, he's like, What uh, oh, that, is cool. that but, did but happen.
0: Uh-huh. Thankfully.
2: He did get the Jenneries right. And since 1878, Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint, can, and bottle of their beer. They make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer, brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience. Look for Genesee beer, Genesee light, cream ale, and their specialty line with beers like Ruby Red Kolsch and Oktoberfest. Genesee Brewery, Rochester, New York. Mr. Geary, how are you doing this evening, man?
3: Oh, good evening to you, sir. I am well. Um... I filled in on the afternoon show today at WGR, so I got all the hockey stuff that I needed to get out. Out, so right. yeah, I'm just um, I'm I'm doing what every smart American male is doing right about now, nine o'clock on a Friday, getting ready for Food for
2: Thought. Of course, that'd be Red blooded American males—that's exactly what we do. And mind you, red blooded American females, who are yeah. a huge part of our audience, and that really helps. Alex in the comments section says, "Free agency is the third F this week." Dude, drop oh, it off Bruce, in the chat. Really, I, I can't believe I just dropped that ball. I was so excited Jesus. about the flubber reference that I just cannot even accept. Bruce what's had wrong. been sitting.
3: Bruce had been sitting on the flubber reference for roughly fourteen days. Good so, uh, yeah, yeah well, we let you have this one, but you really missed out on a uh, on a golden opportunity, my friend, which is very rare for you.
2: Yeah, yeah. Usually, I'm, I'm quite the opportunist. As a reminder, that. Hit the, all of the you know the engagement buttons for us you know like subscribe rate review and if you are here with us live on YouTube any super chat that is five dollars or more we'll go ahead and get a Genesee Pine Glass just make sure you're following at Genesee Brewery on Twitter and DM at Nate Geary Sports Proof on the super chat and the Genesee follow with your address and he will send you out this Pine Glass so Nate. Let's go ahead and dive into it because we got stuff to talk about. We got stuff yeah, that we've we wanted to talk about for a while. And we're going to start with the F that Alex mentioned. And it's not the F that you put yes. in the chat to pay respects to Bruce for his bad joke. Instead, it is if free agency was a food, Nate, what kind of food would free agency be?
3: If free agency was a food, it would be chocolate lava cake. And here's why, Bruce, because if you think about it, legal tampering is just like saying legal, illegal stuff, <laughs> right? Legal tampering. It's legal, illegal stuff. I, I it's a we we talk about food similes on this podcast. Well, that is bass backwards in real life. Like the, the there is no such thing as legal tampering. Um, But I digress. Legal tampering is the true start of free agency, but not technically. Wednesday is the real start. So if the outside of that lava cake, that chocolate lava cake, was free agency or the legal tampering period, the, the chocolate middle is the start of the league year on Wednesday, when all of these trades that we've heard happen over the last couple of days, when all those free agents that we hear end up agreeing in principle, end up getting signed, uh, the lava inside, that is the molten chocolate, is uh, is the start of the league year. So uh, uh, the free agency is, to me, like chocolate lava cake, which I believe is truly one of the more underrated desserts.
2: You know, I, I think every time I'm at a restaurant and I see chocolate lava cake on the menu for dessert, is it just me or does everyone's significant other always want to try the chocolate lava cake? Anyone who's ever had a girlfriend or a wife – or a husband, or a boyfriend, and they've taken them. It's never you. It's always the other person. It's always the other person you're with who says, let's get the chocolate lava cake. I don't know why that, is that happens. It's never you. It's always the other person that decides on the chocolate lava cake. For me, free agency is like an Asian buffet. And I'll tell you why it's an Asian buffet. Because you can have a lot of different things. And different people like different things on the Asian buffet buffet. However, none of the individual foods that you will achieve at an Asian buffet are as good as the exact same food that you would get at a sit down restaurant where you order it specifically. So you can get the general sows at an Asian buffet, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be as good as the general sows that you order from a sit down Asian restaurant. So The food that you're getting on the buffet, yeah, you're getting variety, and that's great. And you might even get as much as you want or as much as your stomach can allow. But it's there on the buffet for a reason. And it's because it's not the same as the stuff you'd get if you got it fresh and you sat down at an Asian place and you bought it. How's that for levels of a metaphor right there? I mean, come on. That's pretty I thought good. my
3: two-layer metaphor was good, and then you brought in the seven-layer metaphor, which is classic Bruce. He's got a five-up me. That makes sense.
2: Well, I mean, I was introduced, <laughs> just so you know, I was introduced to the concept of seven-layer salad not too long ago. Ah, and of course, whenever a, you have a seven-layer a salad, salad parfait? Yeah, it's a salad parfait. I was not familiar with this concept. Of course, it took me a second to realize that... Multiple layers of the seven layer salads are mayonnaise. And that's a whole thing that I'm just what? not even, I'm not even prepared for this uh, concept. It was a, it was, it was a whole that... interesting thing. Oh my gosh, it's still here. Oh my gosh, you, it's still here. La- ladies you, and gentlemen, for those of you listening in podcast form, what Nathaniel look at has the just done look at the is day. he has brought out the eggnog that was expired on November 25th. <laughs> And he still has it. <laughs> That's amazing. This is amazing. Uh, this this is great television right here is what this is. It's not quite as good in podcast form, but I try to do my best to make sure that I remember that we're dealing with a podcasting audience. So you have to try
3: to describe it. Yeah.
2: Well, I want to use the, the bouquet of my words. Yeah. Which you, you can I mean?
3: describe. You could, you could make death entertaining.
2: You know what? I could make death entertaining, and depending on the person dying, it might be extremely entertaining. But Jr. says, "Bruce, some hacker messed with my camera. I know, I know. It's it's really bad. I've been trying for years, Nate. I mean, Nate, you can you'll back me up on this. I've been trying for years to get this darn camera to work, and it just every single time. You know,
3: Bruce. Every I was time. thinking, you know, we our our buddies over at Cover One—they've got those nice." Uh, they got the what are the, what would you call the cartoon version of someone is that just the cartoon the caricature of someone? caricature thank you see again you and the English language it flows out so so beautifully from your lips um I feel like we need to create a Bruce exclusive caricature as your background so that it's not just the Bruce exclusive because frankly this is not the Bruce exclusive I think we need a food for thought caricature of Bruce Nolan as the background that is something that I'm going to work on
2: you know what? I think that's a really good idea. I think it's a fantastic idea. I use the Bruce exclusive up there and because obviously that's that's my logo, right? It's a logo that backs up my show and everything like that. But Alex Spencer in the comment section decided to jump in with an absolute chaotic take saying Nate, what would it take for you to take a sip of that nog? I don't think there's an amount of money in the world that would make Nate take a sip of that nog. That. The bottom of the eggnog essentially looks like protruding popcorn from below the label at the bottom of the eggnog container.
3: the I think the most disturbing part, though, I don't know if you can see the lid or the bottom, but it is, they're yeah. both warped outward
2: yes. because of the like expansion probably the, gas.
3: the gaseous mm-hmm. uh, things inside of that. So, Alex, to your question, thinking about it, I actually did almost gag uh, right here. So I would tell you that if you wanted to watch me vomit um i think just opening it i would vomit i wouldn't even be able to get it to my lips so yeah it would have to be a. Mm, don't know actually thinking about doing it is let, let's move on um, alex you don't have enough money
2: i'm going to assume it jeffrey danger says <sighs> what was the horrific heroics that happened to your face well actually i jumped through a plate glass window to save a woman and child who are being mugged and that's the reason <laughs> why um I, it's almost like the joker every time i tell the story it's a different story You know, like, oh, I was riding on my bike and a dog bit my face. And then the next ones, I jumped through a play class window to save a woman and child who were being mugged. And then one of the other times, I'm thinking to myself, okay, uh, I ran into a burning building to save a puppy and its mother. You know, things like that. It's just going to keep telling you, you want to know how I got these scars? You know, you just keep (laughs) doing that over and over again. Moving along, appetizers. Ladies and gentlemen, we have talked about what free agency would be if it was a food. But now we're going to talk about free agency. As it relates to the Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. we're going to assume for the purposes of this conversation, for the framing of this conversation, Nate, that you can only have one splash. That's okay. it. Every other free agency that you add will be middling. They will okay. be unexciting. They will be boring. You get one splash. That's it. That's all you can add. Nate Geary, what's it going to be? You are going to hate the answer
3: to this, Bruce. Oh no.
2: Let oh, me no. first
3: before telling you, let me tell you my reasoning behind the person I'm going to pick before I tell you the person I'm going to pick. I I reverse engineered the thought and I said to myself, who would I most hate the Kansas City Chiefs getting? Who would who could they get that would scare me the most? So that is the premise of the person that I think the bills should, should get, and that this should be the splash. And before I tell you by telling you that, does it bring you to believe you're and knowing that you're not going to like it? Do you know who the person that I'm going to say is
2: person? You would like the chiefs to get the least Allen Robinson.
3: No, I'll give you one more guess. Hmm. Again, you would, you're going to hate it.
2: Cordero Patterson.
3: No, but. That would be a good consolation prize, I think. Uh, if I wanted a splash move, and I it's a move that I think makes Kansas City really scary, so therefore I I need to feel like if the, if the Bills had him, that it would make them really scary. It's Christian McCaffrey, and I know that spending money not on a free running backs agent. is bad. No, I know, but like it's the it's a splash move. It's a trade. It's 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 a move. It's a splash move.
2: You're right. right. I and do hate it be... now. I hate you by by trans- transitive transitive property.
3: Y- yes. Um. And listen, I know that it's not. I know that it's not smart business to pay to pay a running back. Um. But the flexibility you have within his contract, if you got to get out of it because you're the team acquiring the contract, they've got some some they they've got ways to get out of that without really hurting the bottom line in the future. I know he's played 10 games the last two years. Before that, this is a player that that really never missed games. He's 25 years old. Um, I think he makes the Bills offense really, really scary. So as much as I hate it, and as much as you hate it, and as much as I know that it's not smart, I when you sent me the rundown on Wednesday or whatever day it was, the decision was made for me then. I... I've been I've been waiting to tell you for 3 days, 2 days, whatever it's been.
2: I wish you could wait another another week <laughs> so to tell me. Just wait until that. For me, it's a player, it's a player who I anticipate to become a free agent at some point, but they're currently not. And that is Amari Cooper. I put Amari Cooper as my biggest splash and the reason why is because mm. number 1, I think he's Still shockingly underrated. And the reason why he was not targeted more in the Dallas offense is a crime, quite frankly. It's absolutely criminal. I think his ability to create for himself, which is something that Stefan digs as well. I think having two of those players, two of those players who are capable of creating for themselves, is a lot like making sure the spacing is correct in basketball. When you have two ball handlers who can create their own shot, that changes the dynamic of the offense. And it does for receivers as well. You do not have to scheme Amari Cooper open. You do not have to make sure that you set a correct pick for Amari Cooper. You don't have to make sure that you do any of the appropriate things for Amari Cooper that you may have to do for a lesser wide receiver too. And I, as long as the AFC keeps loading up on players, I want to keep loading up on weapons. And I'm completely okay with that. So for me... It's Amari Cooper, a, a player who I think is going to become a free agent because I think they're going to end up cutting him because I don't think someone's going to take that contract. Mm. And I think if you do want to trade for him, right, then I'm, okay, I'm I'm cool with that. Like, I'm fine with you want to trade for him. I'm fine with it. Now, I, I will say this. I would very much like to make sure you extend Stefan Diggs if that's the case because I do that's not want to have a scenario where you bring Cooper in and you pay him way more than you pay Stefan Diggs who goes, Dude, I've been here for two years. So I am very, very much not interested in making that maneuver if it does not pair with a Stefan Diggs extension, but I think it could, and I also think a Stefan Diggs extension would lower cap hit this year.
3: I think you should answer Jason's question, too.
2: What would that do to the snap count for Gabe Davis? Mm-hmm. I have no problem with Gabe Davis continuing to be a part of the offense. I have no issue with that at all. But also, Stefan Diggs and Amari Cooper can both operate from the slot. Yes.
3: Uh, so can Gabriel Davis, by the way, he uh, did it so, quite well against Kansas city. in the, So AFC I don't Division see
2: the run. reason why you'd have to make a call there. The Buffalo bills are primarily an 11 personnel offense and Cole Beasley was basically hurt for a big chunk of the year and inhibited by his rib. So I don't think this is a problem to be honest. And if Beasley ends up not being a part of this team moving forward, I still don't think it's a problem. So I think we do this a lot. What we do is we create conflicts sometimes between players when in reality there is no such thing as too many good pass rushers there is no such thing as too many good corners there is no such thing as too many good receivers it's just those are three positions where you you cannot possibly have too many of them surplus is not a thing when it comes to that so for me that's how I look at it. I want to make sure I bring up Carl's point here. Carl says, you guys are so good at talking about nothing, but I mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> it's a legit talent. So Nate and I almost ran out of time because we were sitting here spitballing about dynasty fantasy football trades. And we're like, oh crap, it's nine o'clock. We got to go. I think one of the things that made the show yeah. work to begin with is because Nate and I had done work together in the past. And we were like, you and I could just kind of talk about nothing for an hour, right? Yeah, would well, you think people would listen to that? Do you think it would be entertaining? And so Here yeah, we so are. we're gonna we're gonna roughly kind of <laughs> throw this sh- this you know show together out of basically nothing and duct tape and bailing wire, and we're gonna we're gonna make it happen.
3: Listen, before we get to our guest, we need to get to our uh, what is it? Did we already get to our food simile? Is this something cooler than food simile, or is this food simile time? Before we get to chat, ge- yeah, I think we got to get a food simile time.
2: Okay, we'll get the, we'll get the food simile in. I I was going to do the food simile with John, if you wanted to do that. Uh,
3: yeah, but sometimes if you don't
2: prepare for a food simile, you could put our guests on the spot. Sure, but if he goes last, he'll have plenty of time. Okay, that's a good point. Let's bring him on, and then yeah, I would I and... would never I would never put anybody in a bad spot. Nate, uh, John's my I dude. Don't... I would never do that to John. He can always he on. can always he can opt out he, like COVID. He he, he, he could out. he could opt out. He could start Tula-lay this, and he and could absolutely on. start Tula-lay this. Let me ask you something, John. Are you going to start to lay this or are you in on a food simile for me?
1: Let's roll with it.
2: Okay. He okay. No, he has no idea what this is. So this is even okay, better. Okay. We'll, well we're just go first. It. It'll be fine. Ladies and okay. gentlemen, John Scott, Spectrum News, in making his absolute food for thought debut. First off, John, thank you so much for being here, man. I We really appreciate it. I, I, I'll never forget the discussion that I had an opportunity to have with Nate over gigantic chicken fingers that you had initially recommended.
3: That's correct. Kelly's corner. It's KK. Kelly's
2: corner. And the lady there was delightful to us. Yes. She She was. She was like, what a wonderful lady. Yeah. So here's the way food simile works. So food simile works and says the recent trades in this case, the recent trades in the AFC West make me feel like, so that's where the simile part comes in the like part. And then you're going to use some sort of food related simile. It makes me feel like I've stuffed myself. It makes me feel like I'm you know, whatever the, whatever the food simile is going to be, Nate, I'm going to let you go first and then I'm going to go. And then after we both are very long winded and we've given John enough time, then John's <laughs> going to bring up the rear for this. Okay. Yeah.
3: I, yeah. This, this is interesting. Cause I, I, mine's actually a little short this time. So uh, I, I, I need guess you I to just keep talking. Oh, sure. I'll just, I'll, 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 I'll move right past it. But, I'm going to compare the trades in the AFC West this week to uh, getting a plate of of overcooked pasta, and there's really not a lot of things. Listen, you could still eat overcooked pasta; it congeals together. Really, the sauce can't save it, right? So, more more or less, the reason that I hate overcooked, uh, you know, pasta or noodles is the same reason that I don't really love all of the moves the AFC West is making and I know this doesn't directly affect the Bills this is not a, these aren't in division moves but frankly you can't tell me the Bills path to a Super Bowl although their Super Bowl odds funny enough are actually better now than they were like 3 days ago before Russell Wilson was traded and that also means Kansas City Super Bowl odds got worse the Broncos got far better but so did uh, so did the Los Angeles Chargers so while the things are Technically, the path for the AFC West—they should quote beat up on each other, right? That's that's a take I've heard. I also think that it is likely going to be a lot harder for the Bills to get to a Super Bowl. They're going to have to now beat an extra legitimate, you know, Hall of Fame level quarterback in Russell Wilson. And we have not even talked about whether or not a, a guy like Deshaun Watson, whose legal issues are now out of the way, he's potential to uh, to come into the AFC. I just this gauntlet of quarterbacks is is not it's not fun much like much like getting a plate of overcooked pasta.
4: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
2: Okay. You know what? That's not bad. I kind of like that. I will say this as a quick side note. I was introduced to chickpea pasta for the first time I had anami
3: pasta last week.
2: It was fantastic. It was fantastic. High in protein. I could barely tell. and Everyone says it was going to be terrible the next day. I had leftovers the next day. It was fine. I had some mm. bonza pasta, not a sponsor of the show, by the way, bonza pasta, not a sponsor of <laughs> food for thought, but the, the chickpea pasta was really solid. I was a big fan. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's, Let's do it. I'll, I'll do it. I had been operating under the zoodles concept before. Zucchini noodles, which, okay, of course, are, are not at all replicative of actual pasta. It's literally no. just eating zucchini. <laughs> <Like> that's It's <laughs> not the not same. Good. It doesn't even feel like it's the same. But chickpea pasta, markedly better. Okay. For me, the recent trades in the AFC West made me feel like a franchisee who has a rival franchise open across the street. Now, if I own a subway and I own a subway on Main Street and across the street a Quiznos opens, there are two ways to approach this. Number one, this is going to drive more business to Main Street, which will rise all the boats, right? Rising tide raises all boats. And there is economic proof that things like that actually do help businesses. But there's also a competitive part of this where that person could decide to take away some of my business. So there's this weird, strange, conflictual feeling when you run a subway and someone opens a Quiznos across the street from you. Because on one hand, hey, more people to Main Street means more people in my business. And that's true on a macro level. But then there's also the micro level about what about my specific customers? And you have to then look internally and going, am I doing everything as well as I can do? Are my employees being friendly? Are my ingredients as fresh as they could be? It causes introspection to make sure that the competitive side of this shows up in a positive way, in a positive light for your own business. But in the same sense, there's also a, well, this is going to be fun. We're going to get more business, going to be more energy. We're going to bring a little bit more life to main street. It's going to be good. So that weird dynamic is much like what it is like to have things like this come into the AFC. I'm glad it's not the AFC East, but at the same time, you think, okay, you start looking inward. Is my roster good enough? Am I doing what I need to do? Is it causing people who are maybe locally on the news or on the radio going, "Hey, the Bills—they got to step up. We got to make a splash. Let's go." Does it cause that introspection in the same way that that subway owner would have the introspection? So that, my friends, is Bruce's food simile, and I got—I got love with it. I think I nailed that one.
3: <laughs> I, I, you did well.
1: Yeah, so, that was uh, that. That's a heck of an act to follow. Thank you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, right. he could have he could have followed overcooked pasta instead. He just you know he's got to go, he, he got to follow that up. Good, good. By the way, John, sorry to sorry we 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 put you on an active landmine, my friend.
1: Hey, no, 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 it's fine. This the trades in the AFC Wests have me feeling like I'm in line at a restaurant waiting to get seated so I can get their number one entree, but understanding that there's a limited quantity. And while I may be satisfied once I get inside, I will not be getting the exact thing that I want. So, for instance, Joe's Barbecue in Kansas City. I wait in line for that. I love the burnt ends. Are there other things on the menu that will satisfy me? Absolutely. But what I really want more than anything are the burnt ends. And with all of these trades happening, in particular a guy like Khalil Mack, it has me wanting the bills to go big buck hunting and i wonder if everyone else is starting to make their moves what's going to be left for the bills to do mm. at the end of the day and that's kind of where i sit where other people in front of me in the line they're going to get the burn ends they're going to get the the number one thing on the menu that's going to leave them the most satisfied i'm going to get something that will be good. I'm not going to say it's going to be a bad meal at all. I understand it's going to be good. and every, I'll go on with my day. But is it the absolute best thing I could have gotten? Am I completely satisfied at the peak of satisfaction? No, because I went there wanting something else. That's kind of how I look uh, in quick order of thinking here in terms of uh, viewing the trades out in the AFC West. That was fantastic.
2: That or was, was that- Absolutely uh, understood the assignment.
1: I'm convinced that John is
3: a regular watcher of this show because that's <laughs> he, it. Sounded like he pulled uh Bruce Nolan right there. It kind of sounded like he that like he even used the same language as he he's definitely a Bruce Nolan fan. There's
2: you no cannot see that. me. I'm absolutely beaming. I was like, that was absolutely <laughs> brilliant, ladies and gentlemen. We are here with John Scott from Spectrum News on the Genesee Brewing Company guest hotline. I want to jump right into the splash, John. I want to jump right into the splash because one of the things that's been percolating its way around social media today, specifically in regards to the Buffalo Bills, is the reported interest in former Patriots and former Cardinals defensive end Chandler Jones. Now, I understand that a lot of people have affection for Chandler Jones, given the fact that he went to Syracuse. Is it really just a him coming home thing? Do you think at 32 years old, he's got plenty left in the tank? Do you think it's a move, number one, that the Bills should pursue? And number two, do you think it's a move the Bills will pursue when free agency opens next week? I think they definitely
1: should pursue it. I had a mailbag out today that I put out and people asked me multiple times in terms of Going big at edge rusher. And I've been saying it for years, actually, dating back to even last offseason. I think if there's one position after they acquired Stephon Diggs at wide receiver that they should go big or go home, it's at the edge position. And Chandler Jones fits the bill. And one thing about him that is maybe different from some of the other guys like Emmanuel Ogba, Hassan Redick, is he's older. And maybe his price tag then drops a little bit because you may not have the complete upside of some of these other guys, but he wants to. Maybe there's interest in in being regional, uh, close to where he grew up, as well as understanding that this is a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and there is a legitimate hole that he could fill in the lineup absolutely immediately. I look at maybe a two year deal for twenty five or so, like maybe like what JJ Watt ish. Kind of got a year ago. I think that's a little lower than what he got. But something like that, I'd be down for. With a lot of these big, big moves for me, it's the price tag. Not only because the Bills don't have a lot of money, but because of what we know is coming down the pipeline. So do I think they should? Yes. Do I think they will? I think they definitely are going to pursue him. I definitely think that they're going to be in the mix for him and others as well. Is he at the top of their list? I think it would depend on their price point, but I think he would fill a good role as a veteran guy to be the head dog in that room as we assume that Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes will move on. And now Chandler Jones can not only be the most productive guy, arguably, in the room, but he can definitely help continue to groom guys like Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, and AJ Epinesa. John, I think
3: the interesting part about what the Bills do over the next couple of days, it always sort of stems back to the things the Bills need to do to be a player over the next couple of days. That sort of ends up being the root discussion because you can't make moves right now based on their flexibility. I mean, I I haven't looked at the most recent and up-to-date number, John, but they probably don't have enough money as it stands to sign all of their draft picks in a couple of weeks. So with that said, do you get the sense that based on what you know about Brandon Bean, that the moves to make the moves haven't quite happened yet because you don't make the move. I guess maybe my question is, is Brandon Bean going to restructure, resign, extend cut, unless he knows there is an exact player that is filling that position, because with where he is on this roster, he loves his depth. That's why you don't see a lot of big cuts. You're, you haven't seen uh Tyler Medicavich cut. You haven't necessarily seen the Matt Hawk cut yet. Those are some of the, we saw the AJ Klein and we saw the John Feliciano, but those guys are veterans. We haven't seen some of these other ones that have potentially the, the digs extension, which is something that I've expected to see that we haven't quite seen yet. Would you say, that until Brandon Bean knows for sure, like, hey, Chandler Jones is coming to Buffalo, here are the two moves I need to make that happen, rather than I'm going to clear 30 million, and then let's see what we can do from there.
1: I think there's a little bit of both here. I think he has almost like a a math equation, an order of operation here. I think he says, well, with draft picks and just Flexibility in, in areas. I need to clear X amount of no, uh, money in just me looking at things, and then also talking to Michael Giannetti from Spot Track this week on our podcast. He thinks they want to probably be around twenty-five million under the cap to maneuver the way they would like. So I think, and then if he's if he identifies someone of Chandler Jones or even a higher price tag, then maybe that's where he pivots off of his order of operation to make some more drastic moves here. What I do think is maybe holding some things up is the fact that Klein and Feliciano were pretty obvious. Cole Beasley was obvious, whether it's a trade or a cut, so he's kind of just letting that play out. The rest of those things are where maybe I think is the pivot point here, is do I need to clear another 10 to 15 million or do I need to clear another 20 to 25 because he doesn't like restructuring as he's made that abundantly clear and so it would be if I only have to get to 15 then all right I only have I can maybe extend one guy and do one restructure and then I'm there but if it's all right this is I can make these moves here and I need to clear extra money then it's like all right then maybe I'll really get serious with Stefan Diggs and those conversations. Maybe I'll really get serious with Darrell Williams in more of a restructure capacity as opposed to we're just going to outright release you. Maybe that's where it's an extension with Mitch Morris rather than a restructure. Things like that. I feel like those are maybe the pivot points that he's waiting on as he continues to canvas the landscape of things. Of course, technically, he's not going to know. Because the tampering tampering period is not until Monday. So technically, he's not going to know exactly, but we understand how this works. Back channels, whatever the conversations were at the Combine and and, and all of that, he has an idea. They have a roadmap here and again. I I think after you get whatever the resolution is with Beasley, he's not going to be on the team, regardless of what he said on WGR this week. He's not coming back. It's too big of a number. They're too big of a hole. So I think Beasley after Beasley is the pivot point in terms of what direction do you go in terms of the lengths you have to go. But I agree that, let's see, when they bring back Kumaro, they were after Feliciano, they were like two under the cap, who knows, probably the mid- minimum for Kumaro. So what? They got to probably find 20 more million, dollars. and Beasley accounts for six. So there's at least $15 million, I think, that he still has to maneuver, which is reasonable with, again, some of those guys that I named, but the savings could be bigger depending upon the routes you take. And I think he will make the appropriate moves immediately to go after the things that he wants. There are also some guys that are very interesting as post-June 1st cuts that maybe would play more into the decisions of, do we do a Dawson Knox extension post-June 1st? Do we do an Oliver... Or do we, it's Tremaine, which is obviously its topic in uh, in and of itself. Do we do those more training camp after we freed up some money post-June 1st?
2: Those back-channel discussions that you're mentioning, Nate, that's exactly how I got him prepped for the food simile. We didn't have actual formal discussions. <laughs> At the Combine, John and I had back-channel discussions. <laughs> Theoretically, if there was a guy available to be on the show and theoretically, if I asked this question, just <laughs> hypothetically, what would you answer? That's how that works. You just use the right terminology, and you can pretty much get around any legal tampering. John, I want to ask you about a player you specifically tweeted about today, and that is former 49ers running back Raheem Mostert. A lot of people have been talking about adding a different level of dynamism to the backfield. And given Mostert's injury history, I don't think the market for him is expected to be very significant. but There are questions that come along with a running back who is primarily speed based, who has succeeded in the Shanahan system. Only, where do you look at Mostert and go, you know what? Yes, give me the dynamism. Is it a cost thing? Is it an upside thing? What is it with you and Mostert that makes you think, hey, I think he's a good fit for this Buffalo Bills team in twenty twenty two? Well, Raheem Mostert was Matt Breida after Matt
1: Breida. So, uh, if you're just looking at it that way, I understand the injury history and and that's part of it. I mean, even if he was healthy. San Francisco has a million running backs. They have a draft pick from the third round last year that was inactive for the whole time and had a lower round pick supersede him And all of this. Whether you call it product of the system or, or not, it's irrelevant. They have a stable of backs, and they, and they don't need him, especially coming off the injury. To me, it's worth the roll of the dice. I don't feel that you need to invest heavily in the running back position just in general, and it's been proven that the third wheel – in this backfield has been a very odd position and person whose playing time is strange tj yeldon was effective he never saw the field matt Breida didn't see the field then was effective then never saw the field again it's a really weird dynamic so it's not worth it in my opinion to spend a lot of money so to me i'm like let's roll the dice so i figure uh I don't know, could you get him for $2 million on a one-year deal or whatever Matt Breida was making? I think that that's pretty reasonable. You check him out. If the medicals are good, you see what he can bring, and then that's where you shift the conversation to, do you finally get that new addition speed guy to truly be the number two and jump jump frog Zach Moss, or is he just going to be there again? And I also wouldn't mind them uh, addressing it late in the draft as well with another Again, looking at speed, a different type of player than Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. But I just think when I look at the running back position, there's a lot of names, a lot of names that you've heard, but I don't think they are enough of a different type of stylistic running back from Devin Singletary. They're also older and will cost more money, and I just don't see the need for it. So when I looked at Raheem Mostert, I figured, you know, from a cost perspective and, and the type of back that he is, it just seems like an easy, low-risk, high-reward type of guy. Well, I'm
3: definitely not going to be able to let you leave without, A, if you haven't seen these reports yet, get your thoughts on them uh, because you're a Cleveland guy. Uh, but Aaron Wilson, uh, I believe, <laughs> of Pro Football Network, uh, has tweeted out uh, last hour, 8 49 p.m., that Cleveland has, quote, done a lot of work on Deshaun Watson lately and are now regarded as a wild card entry into the expanded trade market. And that prompted then a tweet from uh Bucks reporter uh Rick Stroud, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the Tampa Bay Times, saying that, quote, the Buccaneers have been doing work on Baker Mayfield in an evaluation standpoint, if he were to become available via trade. That's a lot, by the way. That would be one hell of a shakeup. If I may, Baker probably couldn't go to a better place than Tampa Bay in Bruce Arians' offense deep down the field, finally gets to use his arm strength. By the way, that would be a really good spot for Baker Mayfield if this ends up happening. But what is your initial reaction from a someone that reports on a team in the AFC uh, and how that might shake things up in the AFC and B from a Cleveland sports fan perspective, how would you sort of look at that situation as it played out?
1: Oh, by the way, let's not forget Bruce Arians from the broadcast booth years ago was petitioning to be the Browns head coach for an entire season. And then they still didn't hire him. So (laughs) these two worlds could have actually united in the end, right. uh, Had, had they gone that route uh, over the other mistakes that they made uh, before falling on Kevin Stefanski here from an AFC perspective. You just, you would have to think you want to get him out of the conference. You've already brought in Russell Wilson. You've already seen the elevation of some of these young quarterbacks and have to assume that maybe some of the others, maybe one of them hits. You never know who it's going to be. And So if Deshaun Watson comes back into the mix and gets out of the dumpster fire that is Houston and gets at least to something that appears on paper to be a better situation, then again, that's just another bump in the road for everyone, for everyone. And so from a conference standpoint, if you're looking at it from the Bills, I think you would say – just like everyone in the NFC said, thank goodness Russ is now in the AFC, I think, at the same time, even not even knowing the type of player Deshaun Watson's going to be after all of this time off. You want to just put a talented younger player at that position in the other conference. From a Cleveland perspective, they probably, uh, they probably kicked the tires on Russell Wilson, didn't have the assets, or he didn't want to go there. I assume it would have never happened, but maybe they at least gave a call about Aaron Rodgers. And because I think it's clear as day, they're not sold on Baker Mayfield, but they're one of these teams that has never had a quarterback in 20 years. He's the best thing that they've had in 20 years, and that's where, like a Cincinnati with Andy Dalton, although Carson Palmer was good, but, you know, uh, like even with Joe Flacco, with some of these teams that have never, have rarely had even marginally good quarterback success, it's easy to get stuck because you're afraid of going back to the bottom of where you were. And so that's kind of where they're at. And so if there is an avenue where they can seriously not only upgrade the quarterback position, but also get rid of Baker Mayfield, I definitely think they should do it now. There's obviously, even though he was not charged, there is a PR aspects to all of this. There is a, is your organization comfortable with whatever facts that you find, regardless of what in the legal system it is. Are you comfortable with having this guy be the face of your franchise? That's a whole nother thing. But again, For a team like the Browns, who hasn't been good in, I don't know, since the early 90s with Bernie Kosar, then I think you kind of get pushed to, well, we're just going to accept it because the talent supersedes everything else. So it doesn't surprise me that the Browns are in on it. Do they have enough to get him? I don't know, because you see that the asking price has been pretty consistent ever since he requested this trade. and one thing the Browns shouldn't do or really any team in my opinion is overextend yourself with assets by giving them out to the point where he's once again in a situation similar to Houston where he's a great quarterback but but what is around him?
2: ladies and gentlemen you've been listening to John Scott from Spectrum News on the Genesee Brewing Company hotline here on Food for Thought John before I Send you off. First off, thank you so much for being here. You absolutely knocked it out of the park in your first yes, entry into the food for thought mythos. But before I let you out of here, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Why don't you Tell them about the pod. Tell them they can find you on the news. They want more. John, give them more. John.
1: Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at John Scott TV. I do cover the bills exclusively, even though my Jack Eichel video has gone viral from last night. Um, And we do the Buffalo End Zone podcast. Kevin Carroll co-hosts with me. It comes once a week. And uh, we talk nothing but bills. We have guests at times. And other times we just dig into the news of uh, the past week. Certainly free agency will be the big hot topic. And then, uh, yeah, bills news you can find on Spectrum News 1. We're 24 hours. So pretty good chance you'll find me at, at some point if you stick on long enough. Awesome. Thank you so much,
2: man. I really appreciate it. Hey, right, thanks guys.
3: Thanks, John.
2: Well, I mean, I kind of feel like he nailed it, dude. I kind of feel like he yeah. nailed it.
3: He listen. I the only reason that I was skeptical of of making John do the food simile was I feel like we blindsided our previous guest with the food simile, and they just simply were not ready. Um, if you did or did not back channel with John, you would have never known because
2: absolutely. He, nailed
3: it. He nailed it. I mean, he well, and John's fantastic.
2: He's fantastic anyway. I mean, you know, ever since I had even entered into this space, you know, been nothing but gracious to me and, um, and also introduced, you know, to meet some amazing chicken fingers. So, I mean, that's really a debt you can't repay. You know, chicken
3: so. is forever. I that
2: chicken that is, is forever. Something I've heard. I, I'm going to start. I, I really think that the marketing for chicken should be a lot closer to the marketing for jewelry, right? Yeah, like yeah, really like dramatic a, like Zales. music. Yeah, yeah. like sales, right. You know, every kiss begins with chicken. You know, I just feel like that. that I think it should be a thing. (laughs) You know what I mean?
3: (laughs) This really took a speaking of heel turns.
2: Yes. Okay. So we have questions to get into. And the first one comes from Cam Greasy, who says, if Bean could pull off J.C. Jackson as the only notable free agent, would you be satisfied? I will take this one first. Satisfied from an on-field standpoint, yes, because I do think that I'd be very interested in seeing what kind of defenses you can run with two people who are capable of both playing in man. However, I will say that having $36 million and average annual value tied up in your corners, I think is bad business. Hmm. I think given how quickly young corners can contribute, I think drafting one's a better financial move. But on the field, I'd be happy. Financially, I don't think it's the smartest team-building philosophy. How about you, Nate? Where you feel? Where you feel on that? He's a man corner. Um, I can tell
3: you that he's a player that I think will likely fit in the category of going to get overpaid. I think I, as a general rule of thumb, on the defensive side of the ball, at the cornerback position take a position that if bill Belichick does not believe you are worth the number you are looking to get, then you actually are probably not worth the number that you are trying to get. So that is sort of my stance on JC Jackson. Would he be, would he help this defense? hundred percent. Do I believe it's the best use of the limited assets and resources the bills have to go and sign and potentially put, 25 30 percent of their salary cap dedicated to five players six players really when you when you know you count Sarah and neil um getting paid this off season yeah i i don't think it's a move that is in the best interest of the team and can help them the most get the most returns um so yeah that's uh that's kind of my take on jc jackson
2: Next question comes from Alex it says, would you rather invest in a running back via free agency at a reasonable deal or through draft investment? Nate, you want this one first?
3: Yes, absolutely. I, I'll, I'll take this. So I think this is a fair question. I also think Alex, you could bring in trade because, you know, I mentioned Christian McCaffrey, the bills have been linked to Christian McCaffrey. They've also been linked to um, To potentially being interested in and they're the odds on betting favorite right now in Las Vegas casinos and sports books to be the trade partner with the New York Giants for Saquon Barkley so um, I think it's no and they have also been tied to free agent Leonard Fournette I think it's very obvious that the bills are looking to not only upgrade the position but but bring in a guy that they feel might help them take the offense to the next level. We keep hearing about Evan Ingram, right? The Bills and NBC Sports Edge has linked the Bills into Evan Ingram, um, the tight end from New York. Who else have they been linked to, Bruce, right? They've also been linked to Rob Gronkowski. So there is certainly the sounds of it, the, the people they've been getting linked to, running backs, tight ends. There, it does sound like there is a level of evolution that Sean McDermott and, you know, obviously new, new offensive coordinator uh, Ken Dorsey, want this offense to, to sort of look like and, and how they wanted to evolve it. And, and I think that the players being named have been certainly interesting. So could I see them investing in the trade market of free agency? Absolutely. But where, where they get likely their best value, probably in the draft. This is a, this is a draft class that I think has some really solid options in the third and fourth rounds for the bills. And that's sort of where they lived Bruce for the last couple of years. And I wonder from an ideological perspective in building a roster and building out a position group, that if you feel like you've gone to the well too many times in the third round or the fourth round, if you're Brandon Bean, right, like we know that Zach Moss came from there. We know Devin Singletary have come from there and from a value and from a cost controlled perspective, hard to complain because the bills I think are 31st in the NFL in terms of money that they're committing to the running back position. So they spend less than anybody And, you know, for a good portion of the last year and really the year before, Bruce, they were also getting the least amount of production from the position. And a lot of people and a lot of smart people would argue that you don't necessarily want to push an offense that's being controlled by Josh Allen and that has Josh Allen. Into an offense that will utilize a running back more, but I I, I think it, it can't hurt for them to become a little bit more multidimensional. I don't think it can hurt to have a more effective and maybe more dangerous running attack. So for me, is it Brees Hall? Is it Kyron Williams? Is it Ty Chandler, who I like a lot out of North Carolina, is a name that I think you that everyone should familiarize themselves with. Five eleven and ran a four three. I I, I I like the idea of that a lot. We we know Brees Hall ran a four three nine. I'm I'm interested in a guy that can run in the four threes as being an offset back. But it's, it feels like Bruce that although they say the, they, they say all the right things about Devin Singletary and Zach Moss and the running backs that they have and the running back by committee approach that it sounded like they wanted to have last year and the year prior. I think the running back by committee approach is is, is a talking point that the bills have had out of necessity because they have not had a guy they believe is worthy of that bell cow status. I wonder if they're interested in adding someone that they would consider that. So I I think running back is higher on the priority list than maybe it is for fans.
2: For me, this is a pretty obvious answer. And it's based entirely on what you already said. The idea that the Bills are 31st in the NFL in running back spending is delightful to me. I the only thing that makes me happier than that is if they were last in the league in running back spending. So for me, I am a invest in the running back position on day two every couple years and just churn through them. That's my general team building philosophy. So for me, even though the bills decided to invest in Singletary and Moss in the third round, I'd go back there again and I have a hot take for you. I know I'm not the hot take guy. You're the hot take guy. That's I have a hot take. Job, yeah. Are you ready? Okay. We, 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 we. Well, the, the alerts are going off. Wee wee we hot take from Bruce. I would rather have Todd Chandler than Brees Hall. There okay. Is there, um, don't,
3: don't, don't throw it. First of all, it's not, that is in terms of hot takes, that's about as lukewarm as it gets pal. Um, but I, what, what's the, what's the reasoning?
2: When I look at running backs, the first things that I care about most before I even get to physical ability, okay, I care about vision and contact balance. Those are the two most important things for me in a running back. I want someone who has an intrinsic feel for the position. And instincts and vision are at the absolute top of that list. We have seen it time and time again. The reason why everyone talks about, oh, I can find running back production anywhere. Why? Why? Why can you find running back production anywhere? No one ever stops to think about why it is that you can consistently find running back production day two, day three, undrafted free agent. Number one, it's because they're the most dependent position in sports because they're based on scheme and offensive line in front of you. The second reason is the thing that is the most important thing for a running back to have is the thing you cannot measure. And the things you can measure are the things that you you drafted highly. That right there is the reason why.
3: Bruce, can I throw an interesting wrinkle into this conversation? I'm listening. Dearness Johnson. Yeah. Tendered.
2: Yes. By the Cleveland 2. Browns. 2.43 million. Sure. Yes. Right of first refusal. No. If
3: I told you that a player that is also in that group of running backs in Cleveland, who recently signed an extension, can be Kareem released Hunt? for no dead cap money. And his name is Kareem Hunt.
4: I don't think he becomes.
3: I, so. I've seen some, some, some chatter on the Twitter box. Now I'm not telling you they're from super reliable sources or anything, but that it's, it's being considered.
2: I think they would have done it already. Maybe if they were going to cut him, I think they would have done it already. If they were going to cut him, I think that they tendered him in the event that I think they tendered Deioner Johnson with the idea that they could potentially get a trade out of him. And you're gonna end up getting a, a running back who runs a four eight four. No, that's not a that's I didn't make that up. He runs a four eight. Kareem Hunt does? No, dearest Johnson does. Oh, Dear
3: Johnson. Dearest
2: Johnson ran a four eight and he's behind the best offensive line in football. So I don't doubt that he has reasonable vision and contact balance. I simply don't want to trade an asset for him, right? And then take him out of the best offensive line in football. I would much rather spend a day two pick or even an early day pick, early day, excuse me, early day three pick on a running back than trade something for Dearness Johnson. Mm. Who I, I like. I like Dearnis Johnson. I have no problem. I, I think there's a reasonable possibility that Dearness Johnson could be an RB one elsewhere this year. And I think the Browns think that too, which is the reason why they tendered him. They're hoping this is a scenario like Michael Turner from the Chargers, where someone gets a little bit amount of time from the Falcons to, you know, the Falcons look at him and go, okay, hey, maybe I think this guy could play. And so, they end up signing him to a deal as their RB1, and he performs perfectly fine. I don't think he performed up to snuff based on what they gave gave him, but I think that's the idea. So, for me, I'm out on Dearness Johnson. I'm out on Kareem Hunt because I don't think they're going to cut him. But, listen, if he became available we'd think about it, but for me, it's always going to be draft a guy. It's always going to be draft a guy and it's going to be specifically look for the traits. And I don't mean how fast they run, which is fine. I like, I like people who are faster. Obviously four eights, kind of a kind of a deal breaker for me, but I want people who have instincts, vision and contact balance. And none of those things can be measured. And the people who have less of those things are worse running backs. Trent Richardson Had terrible instincts for the position. Horrible instincts for the position. He was just a big, giant man. Right. Who ran fast. But you consistently find people who succeed because the things that make you successful as a running back are things that don't get you drafted high because they don't show up flashy in green on the RAS score. So for me, that's where I'm at. So that right there is my spiel. So we're going to move forward and we're going to finish off with our digestive and we're going to do winners and losers from this week in the NFL. So, I am going to go first and we're going to start with winners. And I am not going to say Deshaun Watson. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Okay. We I, I I will not I'm not touching it with a 10-foot pole because I'm That's going to fair. go off on some massive tangent and people will not like what I have before, to say. Before Before we get into winners and losers, can I do something quickly? You sure can.
3: Uh I am going to take to the comment section. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to give away two Jenny gla- pine glasses tonight, and I'm going to mail them to your house if you can answer this food themed question. Okay. Um, so I will, I have two of them. The first one, the first one to answer this question correctly, um, will be given, uh, I'll have you set me up and you send me a DM on Twitter. And I will get this set up and sent out to you. They're awesome. I've got a bunch of these, and it's time we start giving them away. So, Bruce, the first trivia question. I guess this is a poor trivia because it's not really trivia. Tamarind. Are you familiar with tamarind? I am. So the question that you get from tamarind is what it tastes like. Because it's a fruit that tends to take on the flavor of the things you put in with it, right? Okay. Um, what I want to know is what family of other things is is tamarind considered? There's a couple of things that most people confuse it with when it's in a dish of some sort. Um, oh. So what I want to know from someone, the first person that can throw it up here in the comment section, what other fruit item or food item is in the same family as tamarind with a D, tamarind. So if someone can think of that, or use their Google bot and wants to get a, a Jenny, you know, pine class. This is your time. This is. I would know this right off the bat, Bruce. Do you know the answer to this question?
2: I do not know the answer to this question. Really? I do not know the answer to this question. You. you stumped Bruce for sure. I am familiar with tamarind. Um, I've had. I have. Been, also, it's been a long time since I've had Indian food as well. Um, so
3: Alex is so. very close. It's not a plum is not considered in the same family, but you are close,
2: Alex. I mean, it's a legume. It, I know it that. does.
3: It does look like Adanami, but that is not the flavor profile that is often compared to.
2: Wow. I I, I don't even know. I, I I really don't even know. You completely stumped me. I just,
3: I feel, I can't even tell you how excited that makes me feel. Richard, um, also close, but so Jason, we're the, it is technically a legume and it it does look like peas slash adename and all that good stuff. I'm talking about the flavor profile often gets confused with or compared to blank, not necessarily what it looks like or the family that it's in. Wow. Alex you're still you're 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 dancing all around it. You you use ginger and you use plum in this ethnicity's type of food and tamarind's right in there. Carl It's borderline and I'm going to give it to you. I it's not so I'm going to give away another one to someone that gets it right, but it is often considered in the same family as lemons. So I can't say and there it is, Cam Geezy dates. That is the actual correct answer. But Carl, I'm going to give you a pint glass as well. But Cam, you are correct. It is most akin to apricots and dates. Wow. Tamarind. All of you have learned wow. something here today. And it often, you can find it. And I said ethnicity and ethnic food, Indian.
2: I'll level with you. It's been a long time since I've been in Indian food. I don't think I've, I'll level with you. I think here's how long it's been since I've been in Indian food. I don't think I've had Indian food since I married my wife.
3: So next time you come to Buffalo, because I owe you a, I still owe you a lobster dinner. Lobster. Yes. They have a fantastic lobster dish at this Indian restaurant. It's called India gate. It's uh, Leanna, my girlfriend and I had one of the best dinners period that we've ever had at India gate down on hurdle Avenue. So next time you come to town, I'll let you pick where you want to get your lobster from. And I'll, we'll go there and get lobster. But the next time you guys come up, we we need to I, – I would like to bring you back into the world of um, – I'd like to bring you back into the world of a really strong, very good Indian food. Like, dude, I'm talking the tikka masala that we got was un, unnecessarily good. And Trey, you, my friend, first and foremost, thank you for the super chat. Secondly, uh, please make sure you guys go on Twitter. Carl, uh, Cam. And Trey, if you guys don't have Twitter, let me know. But go to my Twitter at Nakiri Sports. Shoot me a DM. My DMs are open. Get me your address information, and uh, make sure you guys go and follow Genesee Brewing Company on Twitter as well. And uh, I will send you each all three of you a um, a Jenny a Jenny beer pine glass. They're sweet. Like I said,
2: I've got a lot of
3: them. We've got a lot of giveaways coming up. Um, but Cam, I've I've got to say, man, you you've really impressed me tonight.
2: Well done. Okay, moving forward. Moving forward to winners and losers. Like we said, not Sean Watson today. I'm going with Jerry Judy as my winner this week. I have been petitioning to get Jerry Judy a darn quarterback for what seems like forever. And now that he's got Russell Wilson, hopefully Russell Wilson keeps it together long enough to get a glimpse of the type of talent that Jerry Judy can be. I think that the addition of the rise of Tim Patrick, the continued play of Cortland Sutton, and having a player like Jerry Judy is a good sign for Russell Wilson's ability to continually score in Denver. And I think that shipping off Noah Fant I don't think it's that big of a deal because I don't think Russ was going to target tight ends anyway. So for me, having three receivers who they can go to consistently, reliably, I think matters a lot. And for me, Jerry Judy is finally getting an opportunity. I really have a thing for these wide receivers who had just got shackled with bad quarterback play for their entire life. And for me, not entire life, Jerry Judy obviously played at Alabama. He did not get shackled with bad quarterback play there, but. I'm really interested in seeing what Jerry Judy can become, and I think that his tweet emojis this week pretty much said it all, and I'm happy for him. I hope it goes well, and he's my biggest winner this week. Nate, biggest winner this week in the NFL?
3: There's a lot. I think you could go off here. There's a lot of big trades that happened this week. I've got to say the biggest winner this week is Khalil Mack, because Khalil Mack gets to go to a true contending team. He also gets to play across from Joey Bosa and the chargers in general took a big step in what they I think have identified as a major weak spot of their team. It was last year. They were one of the worst defenses in football and it ultimately cost them an opportunity for a playoff berth. So I think the chargers and Khalil Mack are big winners this week. I like a lot um, what that defensive front is going to be able to do. If they go out and draft, Jordan Davis or, you know, Devontae Wyatt, whoo, that is going to be a nasty, nasty defensive line.
2: A lot of people were saying what they're going to do is they're going to draft Jordan Davis and then they're only ever going to rush three. It's just going to be Mac, Bosa and Davis and they're going to drop eight in the coverage every play and just say, good luck, <laughs> have a good time. That'd be fun. I'd like to see that. I love to see people rush three and drop eight more often. I think that's one of the, re- one of the things that is going to be the next phase of, in defensive pass evolution. So I'm all about it. Biggest losers this week in the NFL. It's got to be the Washington Commanders, right? The Washington Commanders watched all these quarterbacks go round and round. They watched Russell Wilson trade. Mm -hmm. They watched Aaron Rodgers go back to the Packers. They watched Deshaun Watson become available. And they were like, yeah, Carson Wentz. I think I'm good with Carson Wentz. Let's do that. And now you have a lot of this, you know, memeing going on with, so we traded for Carson Wentz. Well, didn't they do that too? Yeah. Well, did it work out for them? No, but it might work out for us. That's the scenario that the Washington Commanders are in now with Carson Wentz. And the quarterback who had the offensive coordinator who stuck his neck out for him, who is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts with Frank Reich, the guy who was his biggest supporter and if Carson Wentz was going to succeed anywhere, it was going to be with Frank Reich, and it still didn't work. So, where are you at now, Washington Commanders fans? How are you feeling right now watching all these fan bases get excited about the potential of getting another quarterback and realizing that it's not going to be it, man? That's not going to be it for you. That's my biggest loser this week. Before we move to Nate, JR says, read my comment on a super super chat biggest loser for him is Josh McDaniels having to face Herbert Mahomes and Wilson 6 times a year and you have Carr as your quarterback I'll level with you is Derek Carr the best fourth best yeah. quarterback ever in yeah, divisional like maybe think about, ever think about the NFC East with Aikman Phil Sims, Rippon, and Cunningham right like that was a pretty good I think that was a, I think that was a pretty good NFC East at the time but I really think this is possibly the best quartet of quarterbacks that one division has ever had. Ever, Derek Carr would be the best quarterback in a few divisions in the mm-hmm. NFL, and now he's the worst. So, biggest loser, Josh McDaniels. I like it. I think it's great. Jr., make sure that you uh, ha- make sure you get Nate his address. I think Nate might already have your address.
3: I do. junior we'll we'll take good care of you too, my friend. And by the way, Cam. I got DMs from Trey and Carl. They're both locked in. So Cam, do not forget. At some point here, make sure you send over uh, to my Twitter at Erie Sports. Shoot me your address, brother, and I'll make sure you guys get uh, you get those pine glasses. Appreciate you all,
2: Nate. Biggest Loser. My Who's biggest it going to be loser. for you? See,
3: I we are a good podcast crew. The reason why is because I'm just going to flip your thing right around. Biggest Loser, right? The Indianapolis Colts, how are they not the biggest loser? Like, I I, listen, yes, I get it, right? Uh, A conditional third that turns into a second and another third. Carson Wentz is better than Taylor Heineke is. And they've got weapons, probably better weapons on the outside, not as good of an offensive line, and the running game is clearly not as good. I don't hate the move because... They didn't overpay. They didn't pay a lot for Carson Wentz, and they're going to be able to cut him for free. The Indianapolis Colts traded a first-round pick that effectively kept them out of the sweepstakes for Russell Wilson, that effectively kept them out of the conversations around Aaron Rodgers. It'll likely keep them out of any conversations around Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's certainly going to keep them out of any conversations around Deshaun Watson or Baker Mayfield. So, in my estimation, Chris Ballard put a team that's in a Super Bowl window in a position where they can no longer acquire one. Or be one of the teams that is in this big, you know, quarterback whatever you want to call it. This 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 giant sweepstakes for a franchise quarterback. So, for me, I get it. I I I get not loving the trade if you're the Washington Commanders or if you're a Commanders fan. But man, admitting that mistake is a smart thing to admit this early and not letting it go further. But it's it's a terrible move for them. And and, and in my opinion, the background and, and hearing how Jim Ursay just like you know wouldn't have a conversation with Carson Wentz and listen like it feels like this is a very poor reflection of Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, two guys that are on the league tend to really be looked at at a very high level and 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 I think they should. but man, I this this whole Wentz thing reeks uh, from from the Indianapolis Colts perspective. It, it was not a good moment for them.
2: I heard someone say about Howie Roseman and that he was the best GM in the league at putting out fires that he himself started. And I thought to myself that kind of what Chris Ballard is right now. Chris Ballard started the fire and then gets praise for putting it out, which I think is kind of ironic. If you are also the arsonist, I'm not sure you get a lot of credit for being the firefighter. So for me, I think it's a heck of a way to end this podcast, Nate. Now, I will say this. It's ironic that Alex would say, scary, Terry, biggest loser. I'm not going to tell you guys why that's ironic, but it's ironic that you would bring that up between Nate and I right now. So I just think that's maybe more to come on that. We'll see. But I'm sure more to come on that. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for being here. We've we appreciate it. your evening. We did it. It's good to be back, Nate. Did it feel good? It felt real good. It felt really good. It felt like being home again. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you in the comments and those of you watching around the world, we are glad you decided to spend your evening with us. We hope you had everything that you wanted, everything you loved, and we hope you didn't leave hungry.